When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. And welcome to the Bleacher Connection with your host, Ken and Trevor, a part of Unhinged Radio and Belly Up Sports. You can find them on Twitter, at Belly Up Sports. Make sure to check out the website, bellyupsports.com, to find out about all the great podcasts and all the articles that you can get from writers across the network. As always, you can find Trevor and I on social media, on Twitter, Trevor's at the BleacherCon1, I'm at the BleacherCon2, and our Facebook page, the Bleacher Connection Podcast. Check out our link trees in our Twitter bios for our partners, Dr. Squatch, and our merch page. Trevor, how are you doing? Ken, I am fantastic tonight. I was uh, sitting in McMahon Stadium last night. It was uh, well into the minus double digits in, uh, in Celsius, and it got me thinking, it is playoff football time in the Canadian Football League. And I know one of me is a little more excited for uh, the CFL playoffs than one of you, because our team, my team qualified and yours didn't. But no, no, I'm... I'm very excited about uh, the Canadian Football League playoffs. I froze my ass off last night in a meaningless game against the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, but well worth it. And I am so happy that it's playoff time. Yeah, I saw some pictures of uh, the sidelines where the Gatorade was freezing. So, yeah, I, I texted you and said, uh, this is why the CFL needs a roof. You need to have that coverage. Yes, I very well could have gone for a dome stadium last night. I am not going to lie. Uh, I got to give my daughter, she went to the game with me and she actually brought a friend and I got to give full kudos to them. Pretty much two 12 year old girls sat through the cold in a meaningless game with me and full kudos to my daughter and her friend for, you know, dealing with the cold weather. So well done. yeah, it was very nice to obviously have my daughter there. She goes to a lot of games with me, but she was so excited. This first time I brought one of her friends and well, Let's just say it could have been nicer out. Well, Trevor, why don't you introduce who we have with us today to talk about the CFL playoffs? Yeah, Ken, uh, totally. The reason why I mentioned CFL playoffs is, well, we're going to do a CFL preview, playoff preview show. And we've got one of our friends from the Belly Up Sports Network joining us to talk some Canadian football today. Uh, His host of the Gridiron Gallery and fourth and four on Belly Up Sports also does Gridiron Japan with a friend of the show, Greg James. We are very, very excited to welcome to the Bleacher Connection for the first, but not the last time, Zach Kyleman. Zach, welcome to the Bleacher Connection. Hey guys, glad to be on here. I've been looking forward to chatting with you two about some Canadian football. I'm a, as some of you may, may appear in now, or if you're friends with Greg, I am south of the border 
So mm-hmm. <laughs> I can already I can already tell him on a Canadian podcast when I'm hearing Celsius being thrown around. <laughs> thrown around. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm, I'm looking forward to this, guys. I, I appreciate you having me on. This is going to be a good a good time. Anytime we can talk CFL is a uh, is a good time. So welcome. So Zach, for a few of our listeners, tell us about your passion for football. I know you follow all kinds of different leagues and we couldn't wait to get you on to talk Canadian football. So for the listeners, you know, let them know what you do out there a little bit before we get started. Absolutely. So obviously you mentioned gridiron gallery, uh, which is, it's a foot, I can say it in the basic terms, a football podcast, but if you talk to most people that are, you know, football, they go, Oh, you just mean NFL. And it's like, no, 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 no. Good, sir. NFL is not the only spectrum that is football. And then they'll maybe go, CFL, right? So you you do like the Canadian Football League too, and like uh, uh, there's other stuff. You got the XFL, which I know CFL XFL people have their own things we've had in the past this year. I'm just going to leave that on a side. You know that USFL Arena Football, which they're their own leagues. There's European leagues in you know like Germany, in say France, you name it. Japan, Grand Japan, obviously being that. So any football. I am interested in hearing about or talking about the said football league. There's a lot of leagues out there. You just got to dig a little bit to find them and you might, uh, might, might be fascinated what you see. Yeah. Zach is probably the biggest football fan that I know. He has so much content out there. Every, I believe every Sunday morning you do the fourth and four for belly up podcasts where it's like essentially a preview show. I've caught bits and pieces of it. It's awesome. You guys know your stuff. Uh, you also do some color cast uh, out there. I, I I tried to tune in the other night to catch a little bit of it. It was awesome. I, I got to give you uh, props Thank there, you. Zach. You, you, I'll tell you one thing with those guys. I actually am going, I want to see, because I've with uh, DJ and Kelsey, they have connections to the people that own that app. And they're the, they're also, for those wondering, they're part of the, guy, the group that does fourth and four with me for the pregame. I want to see this year and I really am serious about this, if they will do CFL games in the coming, in the coming spring, summer, because I think that's another Avenue for them to expose their audience and maybe get some more commentators. They already do hockey and CFL already gets, you know, averaging roughly, you know, 500, 600,000 a game, you know, even in the worst possible type of contests, like, Hey, I think that's an Avenue you can explore. I'm just saying like Colorcast is pretty cool. I, they just don't do CFL. And I'm like, I could totally do some CFL games for via ESPN plus love to do that type of stuff, but yeah, I appreciate you listening in. I do NFL on there though at, yeah. at the moment. <laughs> well, even if color cast brought it in so that people when CFL, what's this and just right. go and listen, you, it's a new way to draw people in. And that's one thing Trevor and I have talked about at nauseum. Sometimes the CFL isn't yes. great at. So if you can get the fans doing it for the league, that would be huge. So I know we've talked about the same thing, hoping color cast gets the CFL on there so that we can do some of those games, maybe not our, our own teams. Cause we're a little too invested and it might get a little too colorful uh, <laughs> during those games, but <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll hope for next year. I mean, I definitely, I mean, you know, Kelsey and DJ high, low, if uh, they got the connections, hopefully we can make something work for next year. That would be awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Absolutely. I would love to see that. Um, and, and that'll be something I think maybe after this year's playoff, we can talk about and put it at, put it as a medium as like a media exposure type of tool, you know, as we move into this next year, post a, I guess, pandemic affected season like this is still, 
you know, because the hopes I understand 2022 is supposed to be that first one. We're finally, okay, we're away from all this. We should be clear of anything that's like capacity limits and stuff. We could finally get back to trying to build back what was momentum. It seemed like last few years before COVID hit. So, you know, maybe building stuff that we've been complaining about too in the last few seasons. So, you know, that's what I'm saying. That could be one place. Maybe build a streaming app too. That'd be nice. Like, yes, we get get some streaming elements on there. Like maybe uh, later on down the line, add a T to me, TV deal wise. I know we're not, this isn't following the show we're doing, but I also spitball that. Could we get like a split contract or like it's Sportsnet and TSN both are going for rights. Like, see if you can do it where it's like pricing helps with the deals, gets a little more revenue out of the deals. I don't know. These are me just like thinking out loud and what I understand of Canadian television too. So you know. that's, that's a really good point though. Cause you're a, you're a viewer in the United States and you want more Canadian football league and you can't get it. Right. So to me, that is a big problem. And I think you have a lot of validity there in what you're saying. Yeah. yeah. I think with TSN and ESPN are essentially the same company really so how Mm -hmm. is it that difficult to pump that content into espn i know it's on espn plus but the league needs every bit of revenue it can get and more eyes is just going to create that well tell you it is on espn plus but one thing that bugs me with it and it's just i don't know if it's just because like in you know college football is also as dominant down here when espn has all the college content but if you go on espn plus in america you have to go through like what seems to be two plus pages of random games to then find, Oh my God, professional football. When in my eyes, it should go, this stuff should go at the front of the line so that people are wanting to see it. And then the college stuff can go because it's that abundant, but they organize it that way. So it's like ESPN has that deal, but are they really giving their end of the deal there? I say that's kind of crap. If you ask me and that they should be prioritizing what is professional football leagues a little bit over some of the smaller scale college football productions. TSN puts a lot of money into this stuff. Like that to me means it should go at the front of the line. Could be wrong, but that's how I'd do it. If I was running the application. <laughs> yeah. Zach, can you apply to run the application? That'd be amazing. Please. I'm just saying like, that's, <laughs> <laughs> that's my priority. Like stop putting like when I want to watch Calgary against Saskatchewan, that should be up front. That's a rivalry game. I think that that should be getting some eyeballs. You know, that's one of those games that like, if the league wants people being curious about it, you put it there and say, Hey guys, ESPN, like let's help our American audience out. I don't know. What do we have to give you more money to put it up there to go against like Harvard versus like some like Cornell, <laughs> like to me, that should be not the, no, no, no. This should go ahead of that. You know? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. I think, I think one thing that the CFL itself should just, have its own streaming app. Go to cfl.com, sign up for 15, nice. 15 bucks a month and stream your games. Like that, it's not difficult, really. It's just working it with through TSN, whatever, that maybe that's just for the American viewers that they can go in and 15 bucks a month during the season, you get your games. That's reasonable pricing, you know. Hell, five and you, bucks you, a month. <laughs> hey, yeah. yeah. Hey, you could add like extra camera angles into there, and you know, again, these are these are basically ESPN productions. So, like, you can add in all those quality camera angles and different places to view the game. You know, I already actually like a lot of how TSN does the productions. Like the way that they use they utilize slow mo in so many of the highlights is gorgeous. Uh, the U, U.S. productions sometimes do it, but it's not like the way they do it. They do it where it's like they always pinpoint the perfect time it seems during a play 
to highlight where it's like the crucial catch moment or the crucial point of, you know, incompletion. I don't know. Something about broadcast TSN do to me have been more impressive when I watched those this year. And I just like Rod Black and company, like his voice is amazing too. Like that. It's a great, great announcer. <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately, Rod Black is moving on. Yeah, I know. That's I really disappointing. He I've was got, one of my favorites. Got to enjoy him this year. I'll I'm that's what I can say there. You yeah, know, it's too bad because he was one of the voices of the Canadian Football League. Chris Cuthbert for a long time was the yeah. um, voice of the Canadian Football League. And now it's I understand moving on to a younger generation. I get that, but it's kind of you know, you just lost some of that luster of kind of like Jim Houston not calling Hockey Net in Canada and in mm-hmm. on CBC or on Sportsnet anymore. You just you lose something when you lose the 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 longtime voices. So yeah, that's a, that's disappointing in my eyes. A few changes definitely coming up, uh, coming into well for next year at least. You know, but it's like the big buzzword is like the fight. It also is like the fight of change. This year it seems like that's that's kind of emphasized more it's how do we change the sport for the better but also keep the traditional aspects that make it great you know the fact that to myself you know i'm one of those americans that loves the three down because it's just different from the four down and seeing people that are like we should do four i'm like don't do that that just makes it normal i'm i'm one of those guys that sounds like a funny day it's like that just makes it normal football but (laughs) you know that's why i'm like canadian football is you know it's supposed to be different this way but you know it's funny like that also has made it for some reason this year seems a little more conservative than what i've known canadian football where it's more risk-taking and i've been kind of shocked by that because that's what i'm used to like getting prepared for 2021 i like just basically binged at like crazy 2019 highlight videos from cfl's youtube page to like prep myself and all this year just compared to like 2019 i'm like this does not feel like what i was ready for where it's like, we're going to be like gunning it all the time. And, you know, <laughs> running the scores are running up like crazy. And I don't know if that's a year off, but that's like another theme this year that kind of showed its head. But I mean, last few weeks have seemed to be much more explosive. And like, finally things are kicking in where it's like, we're seeing games that are hitting like consistently 20 plus scores on each side and that they're back and forth contests with big plays. Actually, I'm going to jump in before we start on the playoffs, we were going to have, some kind of storylines of the 2021 regular season in the Canadian football league. And Zach, you just hit on one of the biggest storylines. Scoring was down. Offense was down. Explosiveness was down. It absolutely was down. And I don't know if it was because of a year off or were the defensive side of the ball, were they just that much better? I don't know, but you hit an absolute point. The explosiveness of the game was definitely down. Yeah. Well, I think you look at outside of um, really Saskatchewan, Winnipeg, there was a lot of QBs missing time, big name QBs missing time, injured, not playing as well. And I think that really took away from some of that scoring. You know, Trevor Bolivai Mitchell, you struggled this year. Mike Riley came out looking like he should have his arm amputated to start the year. Um, and end the year. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, Trevor Harris in Edmonton. I mean, uh, even Toronto rotated Bethel Tom- Thompson um, Arbuckle. Until Arbuckle. Tra- yeah, traded mm-hmm. Arbuckle out. Hamilton, Evans and Mazzoli. Montreal was consistent until Vernon Adams Jr. went down late. And Ottawa, well, 
They yeah. just sucked all yeah, year. It's Ottawa. <laughs> it was Ottawa. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, but yeah. that, that's that's greener pastures for next year. Like <laughs> we yeah. knew it was coming. It, it's better. Look to me, like for that, it's better to be like Ottawa. We're like, well, it's a quiet out where that's like we'll we'll figure it out on the off season. We got plenty of time, and we don't have like fans ripping down our neck because we're they were kind of maybe expecting this. Unlike say like in Edmonton where it's like well, hey, now we had some decent expectations and then we have some off-season kind of, or we have some mid-season kind of fiascos happen at the same time with like front office stories. And, you know, it's better to be in Ottawa right now, I think, than to be in Edmonton at this point where you have things that you answer and then there's contracts that say they might not get answered either. <laughs> the, the, Elks, same time too. <laughs> the Elks were a disaster this year. And- Absolutely. As a Stan Peters fan, I'm not overly heartbroken about this, but the Elks <laughs> sure. were were an absolute disaster off the field. Brock Sunderland, GM, crazy stories going around about the way he treated players. He got rid of Dwayne Mandrusiak, but he'd been like 40 years, 49, or- 49 years with the organization, cut ties with them. And then you had the whole it, rumors came out about Joey Moss and he banned him from the dressing like what is going on there you got uh our friend of the show uh derek dennis derek dennis Mm -hmm. pretty much tweeting about how bad it is in edmonton like what a disaster that turned into off the field and then it turned on the field to me the the edmonton elks were one of these stories of the 2021 cfl season and not for the right reasons well who who makes it out of that Who, who out of that front office and coaching staff survives this season to be determined that that's yeah it's been seems like it's kind of quiet from anything i follow you know it's almost like they're like wanting to be as quiet as possible about how they make moves or even if they don't do anything you know (laughs) which is the worst case scenario if they just do nothing (laughs) yeah yeah ken ken what was one of your biggest storylines of the regular season well i'm gonna go a little bit homerish on it but just the bc lions they just truly i think underperformed i mean two through you know four in the west was always going to be difficult but the lions were two and seven versus the west you're not gonna you're not going to be successful if you can't win in your division winnipeg's eight and one right like even saskatchewan's five and four calgary six and four the teams that are making the playoffs were winning or at least above 500 in the division bc struggled and i don't know if that was solely on mike Riley, michael riley not being healthy at the beginning but for me that was a big storyline personally because as a fan that it just it was a bit of an ugly season and there was times where i just had to shake my head and i couldn't understand you had weapons like lucky whitehead and brian burnham and a quarterback who should be able to light it up with those two. He did he, lead, lead the league in, in passing yards still though, which but is it, crazy. He did. Yeah, yeah. But it wasn't getting in the end zone. It was getting no, close so enough to <laughs> close enough to miss the 90% of the field goals you took, but or attempted. <laughs> I think that was a big one. Just poor kicking. It, like cost the lions about three to four games. Yeah. And, and a playoff spot, right? Like if they won those games, they're pushing to potentially host, the the west uh, semifinal as opposed to watching out at home on tv i think that was uh a bit of it 
Hamilton in the East was another storyline that I was kind of a little shocked by that they, how it went down for them. I thought they'd be a lot more dominant in the East. Oh, very much so. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to piggyback a little bit off your point, Ken. To me, one of the biggest storylines in the regular season was the amazing turnaround after week five of your team and my team. You guys, the BC Lions were four and one. The Stampeders were one and four. And we end up finishing the season, the Stampeders seven and two, and the BC Lions finished the season one and five. To me, that was the difference in the season. The Stampeders are on a roll and the BC just fell off. What they lose, like essentially their last seven games. And then they won a, a relatively meaningless game to end the season. Yeah. One other storyline for me has to be the Toronto Stampeders. I mean, the Toronto Argonauts uh, winning the Eastern Division, taking essentially bringing in every ex-Calgary Stampeder that they could onto that roster. Ended up winning the Eastern Division with a negative point differential. They were minus nine in points. They gave up more points than they scored. That is crazy. Undefeated at home. That is the only reason they won the, the Eastern title. Full props to the Toronto Argonauts. I'm The CFL is better when the Toronto Argonauts are good. Them winning the East in the regular season is a huge storyline for me because it adds stability, hopefully, to the league. Hopefully, we have a good Toronto Argonauts team for the next three, five, seven years because that makes a huge difference to the CFL. The, the league's got to ha- hope that, that it does continue. I mean, just the the sporadic nature of the Argonauts history in recent decades, it, it, it does not help with consist, consistent fan base. So, and I, and I know that, that I know you bring up fan base with Toronto fans and it's like, well, you know, officials aren't doing enough or it's like people knock them down in Toronto. Some people in Toronto just don't pay attention for some reason. And it's like, well, hopefully after this year, this continues to be the case, but you know, when you have a sporadic team that sometimes like in 2019 finished bottom of the barrel, you know, you spent a lot of money to get to an East division title and get that for that semifinal buy, but will it help in the long run? You hope that's the case. The marketing was better this year by a lot from what I can tell. I mean, I love their social media campaigns. They were were really good. (laughs) They were, they were the best ones in the CFL. I would argue in just how they handled example, Twitter, which is where I live and die on as, as my uh, coverage. So, uh, you know, they did what they could. They are fascinating though. And just like the fact negative point differential, uh, it seemed like week in, week out, you didn't know what Toronto Argonauts team you were going to get. Obviously, with Arbuckle and then, you know, Bethel Thompson being interchanged, that was kind of its own thing for a while. And then Bethel Thompson still was hot and cold, even as he'd gotten and solidified the starting job. So they are fascinating as a division champion because I don't know what I'm going to expect when that final comes around. <laughs> but they were definitely a story just for the signings alone. Like you're saying, Trevor, absolutely. A lot of money put into that team. Hard to build a team through free agency, but the Toronto Argonauts are trying their damn just to do that. Yeah. <laughs> I think at one point they were, they were called the, the worst first place team in the CFL. Just it, it was, they were ugly wins, but they were winning. And I think the fact that they did sell out um, the last couple games there at BMO field for what they could have is good, but it, as you talked about, it needs to be sustained because the problem is now they're talking NFL is talking expansion and has thrown Toronto into that. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so that's what MLSE wants, the owners of the Argos. And I hope they just don't throw everything into the side to try and do that because it's not good for the league. Well, I don't, I've never understood how that would go. Like say like MLSE, you know, we're, I bring it back to the XFL talks. I don't want, I didn't want to, I don't like doing it because like, to me, it's like, no matter how you talk about it, someone gets pissed off is how I've learned. But like, <laughs> just to reference that, like, you know, if MLSE in theory was wanting to move on, you know, and say the NFL is the big talk in town and, you know, they already own, you know, multiple professional organizations with the Maple Leafs and of course the, you know, the Blue Jays as well. Like, okay. Would they drag the Argos kicking and screaming into the NFL? It's like, we have a team right here for you. Just got to build the stadium. <laughs> you know, let's find a way then because I, like to me, like everyone, every person I've talked to, it's like, well, they won't do Skydome again. Um, so what do you, what's your other option or Skydome? Like if the NFL were to somehow come in, in theory, and like, say in theory, the Argos decided that was the move. Would you rent, would you basically go back begrudgingly to Skydome and wait for some stadium deal to metastasize? And to me, I'm like, I don't know if they'd do that (laughs) because they left it to make it a better venue for fans when they went to BMO field. So there was actually there was a nugget last night actually on hockey night in Canada that actually and we're talking NHL that actually has me very worried about the CFL and that is there's a rumor out there that Fenway Sports and Entertainment is trying to actually merge with Maple Leaf Sports and Entertainment. Oh. They've actually already done had talks MLSE said no. Fenway Sports is now going and buying the Pittsburgh Penguins that's a different story. What worries mm-hmm. me about that is if you get MLSC and Fenway together, that just screams NFL and Toronto to me. Oh, sure. Yeah. That's oh, a lot sure. of money. That's a lot of money to not recognize from the NFL expansion side to go there. Cause you look at, uh, was it Fenway? The, the ownership group owns the Red Sox and Liverpool. I think it is in, in, uh, yeah. In the, I believe that's the case. Yeah. So, that's a lot of money. And I think they wouldn't try and take the Argos and put them in the NFL. They'd sell them to whoever had 20 bucks at the time and let them die. I don't, they I don't, honestly don't think they care about the Argos. It's just another toy within their chest um, that they dust off every now and then. It, it's worrisome how little ownership I think cares about that team. They left mm-hmm. uh, the Skydomer Rogers Center because when you're getting that few of fans, it just looks bad. When you're getting that many fans in a smaller venue like BMO, it doesn't look as bad, but they don't do anything to promote that team within the city. And that's a problem. So I think if we don't have owners like David Braley anymore, he was one of a kind, I think. And um, you don't have a person like that to save the team and really invest and say, this is what's needed. This is what we need to do. MLSE is such a huge corporation. It's just a, a box they tick off every now and then. Yeah, I feel it's you. A, it's a tax write-off. <laughs> yeah, if you want to put it that way, that's uh, probably a good way to put put it, as much as I hate to even talk about it that way. Because, I mean, I, I like – I mean, I relate to the Argos as a, as a football fan. I'm a Bears fan in the NFL. And if there's one thing I relate to with that is the history and the Argos are tied to the CFL's history, much like the bears are tied to the NFL. So like, 
it always pains me. Like you, like your quote saying the, the CFL is better when Toronto is good. That's something that is almost always said when Chicago happens to be good. Like some NFL dude will always rip that line off and go, the NFL is better when the bears are good. I'm like, okay. I mean, yeah, the history of them, I could get it. But like the Argos, it's the same way where it's just like, you know, that's your biggest market as well. You know, that's, that's a team that, you know, it's been basically the CFL. It helped form form, at least form it, you know, it's birth of the league itself. And uh, or the origins of Canadian football in general? It's just like, I always wish the best for it. That's why I, I hate, you know, I hope that there's better times ahead and maybe that, you know, this year can be the start of proving people wrong and maybe changing the, kind of the wave that was going on. So we've got the regular, the regular seasons now in the rear view mirror. Let's talk about the playoffs. My favorite time. I, I love the CFL playoffs. Literally anything can happen. Mm-hmm. I am so excited. You get some of those cold weather games, you get a foot of snow on the field, anything can happen. And the see the, the playoffs are starting roughly two weeks later than they normally do this year. So I think we could get a couple of uh, very exciting, cold, cold weather games in the CFL playoffs this year. Let's start in the East. We got the Eastern semifinal coming up next Sunday. Hamilton's hosting the Montreal Alouettes, the Hamilton Tiger Cats. Ken, how do you see this game playing out? Well, it's going to be difficult because Vernon Adams, is he going to be back or is it going to be Trevor Harris or Matthew Schiltz? Who's going to be behind center in Montreal? Um, For me, that's going to be a big piece. So depending on who it is, if it's Trevor Harris, I I don't know because he couldn't do it in Edmonton. And that was, uh, I haven't really seen him play too much with Montreal outside of a meaningless game. Uh, Hamilton, I feel they should have the advantage being at home. Um, They have two really good quarterbacks. And if they can get going, they can get Brandon Banks rolling. Um, I think they, I think Hamilton does have an advantage. And I, for me, I would lean Hamilton over Montreal. If Vernon Adams was healthy, it would be the other way. I'd be going Montreal over Hamilton. Oh yeah. Go ahead, Zach. What, what, What's got your eye for this game? Well, I think I think right away, like like Ken is saying, it, Trevor Harris to me is like his comfort level is going to be like a make or break for Montreal at this point. Like the Hamilton, the Tiger Cats, I think, you know, we, we know we're going to get out of Mazzoli at this point. And even if they need a bail, you know, they've got Dane Evans, but Mazzoli, they basically said, this is this is the guy we're running with. There's no other debates on this at this time. We're going to go with that. And, you know, I think the Tiger Cats, at least have stayed ever since they've been able to get Mazzoli fully healthy and back in the lineup. It seems like that's stabilized. Um, I think to me that they're with the exception of let that horrible loss to Toronto a few weeks ago, you know, they're coming in at least on a high note at this moment, Montreal, like I said, Harris was a really kind of a late season trade that I still haven't seen enough of him being comfortable yet. I mean, he's been able to operate the offense enough. You know, he's obviously got, the weapons, of course, surrounding him, if you want. I mean, Eugene Lewis, of course, being out there, Wieneke. I mean, you have options to throw it up to and guys that are reliable receivers, some of the best in the CFL right now. Um, but I think uh, – I really think that the Tiger Cats at least are the more battle-tested team. 
yeah, they've been down this year. They haven't lived up to expectations. They aren't like 15, they aren't finishing a fifth, you know, upwards 15 to one, like they did in 2019 and running off to the gray cup, possibly they still can, of course, it's the beginnings, but I think that they'll get through the semis fine. Uh, Montreal's got, you know, I think they got a little too many issues to handle at this moment. Um, but I think the Ticats are just to me more battle tested for this type of environment with the current roster they're holding. I think you guys are discounting Montreal Alouettes a little too much. You've got the leading rusher in the CFL, William Standback, 1176 yards in a 14 game season. That's pretty damn good in an 18 game season. And he had limited carries in the last uh, couple of games. So you've got the leading rusher in the CFL. You've got three of the top five leading receivers in the CFL, including the top two receiving touchdown leaders in the CFL. Jake Weineke had 11, Gino Lewis had nine, and Weineke was fifth in the league with uh, roughly 900 yards, and Lewis just missed out on a 1,000-yard season with 960 or 964, something like that. This team's explosive if Lewis or uh, Harris can get them the ball. That, that, like it, it's such a – you've got some of the – the playmakers, in my opinion, reside on the Montreal side of the ball as long as the quarterback can get it to him. Now, I'm not, I'm not worried about Harris getting it to stand back, but does, does Hamilton just stack the line and say to hell with it? We're going to make Harris beat us with his receivers and try to eliminate Standback from the game. I'm not fully sold on Jeremiah Mazzoli. He's been very Jekyll and Hyde this year. Started off, lost his starters gig, got hurt, came back, looked dynamite. And then the last few games didn't look great. Now against uh, the the Saskatchewan second strings, he he had a pretty good show on the weekend, but I'm not sold on Jeremiah, Jeremiah Mazzoli. I am if he runs the ball. If he decides to be the dual threat that he can be, Jeremiah Mazzoli is absolutely the difference maker in this game. I, I don't know. I really don't know. They do have an advantage, the Hamilton Tigercats. They have a proven backup. They really yeah. do. And I think Dane Evans is better than Harris or Schultz. So I think the two best quarterbacks do reside on the Hamilton side of the ball. But the best playmakers, because Banks had a, a quiet year in Hamilton this year. The biggest mm-hmm. playmakers reside on the Montreal side of the ball. So I think this one's a complete toss-up, and I don't know which way I want to go with this. Yeah, I think that was my – Dane Evans is what kind of tipped the scales there because, like you said, Hamilton should go into the game and just clog that line up and force Harris to put the ball in the air. And if you make Harris put the ball in the air, keep forcing that until he actually beats you. I don't think he can. Like, is his confidence shook so much from – his time in in Edmonton and you know Derek Dennis said he may be a great cap champion but he was holding a clipboard both times so (laughs) (laughs) he was very vocal about his thoughts well he was very vocal on his thoughts on Trevor Harris um and he he wasn't wrong right like Harris had weapons in in Edmonton here and didn't do anything he had a Wilder Jr. looked great to start the season and, and looked like he was going to lead the league in rushing. Didn't happen. So that's where I look to Hamilton having that advantage. They got some good players on that side, even with um, 
Thomas Erlington and uh, Acklin. They've got guys that they can hit and make plays. One of my big question marks, though, is the Hamilton Tiger Cats rush game. And that's why, because in the playoffs, you need a rushing game. I'm sorry, you have to have it. As as pass happy as the Canadian Football League is, come playoff time, you need a rushing attack. It's why I mentioned Mazzoli, if he can run in the playoffs, he'll be a difference maker, because I am not sold on the Ticats backfield. Sean Thomas Erlington, he only had 350 yards. Don Jackson looked okay in his last couple of games with Hamilton, but Again, that's a guy that, you know, the Calgary Stampeders let loose because they didn't believe he was a the true number one running back versus William Stanback. I'm sorry. It just, sure. it's so clear as to who has that advantage. I really think that Montreal might, might upset the Hamilton Tiger Cats, and which is surprising to me because we expect the Tie Cats to run away with the East this year. Oh yeah, and they've been very underwhelming for a lot of the, the the regular season. And does it finally catch up to them? I think they're lucky that this is a home game. Hamilton, absolute not Hamilton, sorry, Montreal, absolutely dropped the ball, blowing an eighteen to three lead to the Ottawa Red Blacks in the second half to host this game. Mm-hmm. The Hamilton's lucky this game's being played in Hamilton and not in Montreal. If it was in Montreal, then I would give a for sure benefit of the doubt to the Montreal Alouettes. See, I think, I think for Montreal, for me, they just have, uh, I mean, the whole hot and cold that they've had all year too, you know, doesn't, to me, that doesn't play well into my expectations. That's kind of why I'm like, even with a down year for the tie cats, even with what, even with those valid points, you know, high profile receivers, best running back, in terms of production in the league, you know, when you don't have to me, Vernon Adams would make me sway this the other way. Like if he was in, I would have no doubts. I'd be like, okay, you know what, even with how sporadic the Alouettes have seemed at times this year, at terms, like some games, it's like they're on fire. Other games. I'm like, why the, why is this disappeared all of a sudden? You know, how you have all, how do you have all this production and you defensively, you're one of the best teams in the league, but you're seven and seven. And, can I can I get a yeah. can I get some uh, clarification on that, please? You know, <laughs> but that that's kind of to me when I'm sitting there, like Trevor Harris. You know, there's reasons why he was traded away from the Elks even after he got an extension and was going to be that primo the primo starter in Edmonton didn't work out, and obviously the Alouettes needed it, someone to reassure and stabilize the position and to save their playoff hopes. Harris is there. Can he take it to that next level? Hopefully, I know we're talking. He won some Grey Cups as a clipboard manager, so the hope is maybe <laughs> he can take it a farther bit. I just don't have faith in that. You know, you have to be able to do, at least you can stand stand back like you're talking all you want. But Trevor, you're absolutely right. If you stack that box, then you have to say, okay, that the pass catcher has to deliver to the hopefully just enough or close enough to where you can see. Lewis or Wynicke at least able to get some sort of presence to catch wherever you need in their radius. Otherwise, I mean, I mean, you're donezo right there. Just go and attack Harris and kind of shore it up <laughs> and hope you get just enough out of Mazzoli or whoever the heck, or Evans, whoever the heck they throw in. I mean, Hey, they can just rotate Evans in if they want it. Like if we're desperate, all right, quick switch. We got another starter right here. I mean, yeah. here we yeah. go. Younger guy that we might just go to in the future. Just saying. <laughs> This game features the number two offense in the CFL against the number two defense in the CFL. Montreal was number two in offense. Hamilton's number two in defense. And 
points for points against the Hamilton defense is good. Mm -hmm. Simone Lawrence, these guys are good. So can Montreal score points on them? That's the next question. I don't know if they can, they have the firepower to do it, but Hamilton wins the slugum games, the slug outs. They are going to be a tough out, but I think this is going to be a very, very much a pick em game. But at the end of the day, I know I was just talking about the Owls. I wasn't sure. Defense wins championships. Defense is going to reign supreme. So I'm going to go with you guys. I think Hamilton wins this game. I think it's very close and would not be surprised at all if Montreal wins this game. I like it. I like it. I think it's going to be just like you're saying, similar deal. Right down to the wire, just like Montreal likes it too. <laughs> Regulation or overtime? <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Let's talk. Yeah. Do you want, yeah. You want to put that up for sale? <laughs> well, that that Hamilton Montreal game earlier this season where Montreal tied it with like seconds left and then Hamilton fumbles it in OT. That was oh. one of the games of the season. Oh yes. That one oh, was so. Yes. Oh, and Hamilton gets the like the fifty six yarder to tie the game on the last play of the game. Oh, mm-hmm. that that game was one of the best of the regular season, and I hope we get a fraction of a game that good on, on this coming Sunday. I hope so. I mean, like, like, like I was saying earlier, I think uh, last, last like four or so weeks, it seems like teams have been getting much better and these have been more explosive games. So like, yeah. I'm hoping the playoffs hit that stride, just like we've been watching here. Um, yeah. <laughs> this one could be one of those cases is, you know, to me, just uh, Trevor Harris better be comfortable. <laughs> That's all well, I'm hoping for. We, we've, we've all put our foot down very firmly saying, Anyone could win this game. So out of the two teams in this game, we're lean in Hamilton. Will they take out Toronto? Uh, whoever, whoever wins this is getting Toronto next. So, and Toronto's undefeated at home. And I said that for a reason earlier in the show, there's some magic there. Hamilton, I think lost. I know one game there. It may have been two games. I don't know. I, I'm not sold on the Argonauts. Again, you're the that first place team with a negative point differential going yeah. up against one of the teams with one of the best point differentials in most likely the Hamilton Tiger Cats. Hell, even against the Montreal Alouettes. I don't know. Like and those McLeod, three Bethel teams. Thompson are you going to get? Exactly. Exactly. That, exactly. that right there. That right there is your key. And, and they don't have Nick Arbuckle to bring in anymore. Nope. Like it's Bethel Thompson or bust. So you, and I don't know that that those three teams, Toronto, Hamilton, and Montreal, the margins between them razor thin. You see it in the standings, like yeah. four points separate first and third. Those three teams are a coin toss at best for who's gonna make it. I don't know. Toronto, I gotta say it, they're gonna get to the great cup because they're the home team. Montreal just might get there too. It is so crazy. The East, I don't know. So their week 15 bout with Hamilton to me is what I think is the key for them, how they, how they did this game Um, in terms of for Toronto lean run heavy as much as you can. And then let Bethel Thompson pick you apart by dink and dunk short passing game. That's kind of how they did it. And how they were able to for against Hamilton that week, just kind of like pick them apart. And then defensively, you know, just, pressure Mazzoli and try your best to just play great man on man coverage. That's exactly what they did at that time too. Um, I don't know. That's the best version of Toronto. Like that's the one that I think they need to play to their strengths and that's what they do best. It seems lately. 
is just those elements. <laughs> so, you know, looking at the ha- like say a Hamilton Toronto matchup, Trevor, you talked about how Jeremiah Mazzoli didn't have a great season. He was injured. He didn't play well, not up to expectation, except for his numbers in yards, yep. completion percentage. Yep are better than McLeod Bethel Thompson, who we were talking nine games for Mazzoli, 10 for Thompson. And that was because he wasn't playing well enough that he missed four games, Mm -hmm. right? Like he got pulled from those games as a starter early. This is where they might be undefeated at home. This is a different beast. This is going to be the East final. Can a shaky Bethel Thompson handle the pressure? I don't know. I don't don't think so. I don't know if he can. I'm that Hamilton defense is very good. And can Bethel Thompson get the ball to his playmakers against that team when it matters? I don't know that he can. I really don't know that he can. I'm only picking the Argonauts because it's a really good feel good story this year. And they finished first for a reason. They're still a good team. Their defense isn't as good as it should be. Uh, you know, they were expecting more out of Charleston Hughes. I think he only had one or two sacks all year. They were expecting more out of Cameron Judge. Didn't get much out of them. But they're still a good team. They've got some playmakers. You know, Ricky Collins Jr. He got the emergence of uh, Gittins Jr. out of nowhere. Mm. Essentially, you know, taking uh, he had 50, uh, 50 receptions this year. Who saw that coming? Like, I would have said Eric Rogers would have been the leading receiver on this team while he's not even on the field. DeVaris Daniels. So there's ex Stampeders again. The Argos have, have playmakers, but I just don't feel like they have that game breaker playmaker. Their running game is what's it? uh, John White ex BC line. Correct. Wasn't he? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Decent, but didn't have a great season. Like you just don't have, it's almost like offense by committee with the Toronto Argonauts and you don't have those huge game breakers. I don't know if that's going to get it done in the playoffs. I know they signed Josh Huff from the Calgary Stampeders. Does he get the lineup? That guy can run like the wind. Could he be that guy? I don't know. Or does Juwan Breskison, another ex Calgary Stampeder in the receiving core, make the difference in one of these games? Maybe. But to me, it's, Hamilton, I think, is the better team. Toronto's the feel-good story, and that's why I I don't know that I'm picking them to win. I think I want them to win. So for me, you you mentioned two things, feel-good story and team. Hamilton's done this before. This isn't new to them. They're not a ragtag bunch of free agent signings that came in in the offseason and were put together. Hamilton has done this with success, and that's where I think they hold – uh, an advantage chip over everyone else. They've done this. They've been through this. It's not new to them. They're not trying to learn how to win under pressure together. So I would lean Hamilton if they do make it through to make it a very good game in the, in the East final. Zach, you know, where are you leaning? You know, I, I do want to say Hamilton for mainly those reasons too. It's the, really the battle tested nature again it's been a down year but they got here that's the first thing that mainly matters just get one of your first six spots and you can possibly run the table i mean for crying out loud 2019's cha- 2019's great cup champion was the winnipeg blue bombers and that was a team that get scraped in and basically just messed up wh- whoever they came across oh, <laughs> just big time. Of, 
I mean, just out of just out of sheer will in, in 2018. And then the Grey Cup was, of course, Hamilton knows they got embarrassed by him in 108. So, uh, or yeah, 107. So, I mean, yeah, um, I think the Thai Cats will take it just experience alone. If you can get past Montreal, you know, get against Toronto, yes, it'll be in your home, it'll be in their home building, but you know, I think a you hope that maybe some people uh, migrate up to from Hamilton to go and take a little bit of a visit, make it a little less of a friendly home crowd to help with that. Oh, I think um, that'll very much be a home game for the tie cats. You know, I'm just saying like <laughs> that will help a lot, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but you know, if you can get through that first game, get guys comfortable saying, Hey, remember we've been here before. Um, that makes things a lot easier. And I'm also just any sport in general. I am always, I'm always weary of the bye week. I'm not, I'm not a fan of bye weeks. If you ask me, I I'm, if I were to coach a team, I'm one of those guys that likes to be consistently playing guys and keeping their motor running. Um, I also put that as much as that might, you know, be a, if for argument, that's another piece to it, but the stability that the Ticats have as a organization with the core they've built, even with the down year, that's how I lean. So Hamilton to me, as much as I originally picked Toronto to go to the Grey Cup and win, yeah, they won the East, but I still am not confident in that pick anymore. I'm actually going to, I'm going to flip it and say Hamilton upsets them in the final. So let's move our attention out West now into what might be one of the games of the season. You've got the Calgary Stampeders going into Mosaic Stadium to take on the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. And to put it mildly, these two teams effing hate each other. They (laughs) hate each other. There was a three-game stretch, and it was actually three games in a row for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders playing the Calgary Stampeders. Calgary played them three of four games. We had one game mixed in there. I believe it was a a crushing defeat of the BC Lions, if I remember correctly. Oh, yeah, Ken's middle finger would tell me that I'm I'm correct there in my assessment. (laughs) These two teams hate each other. And these two teams are just mere images of each other. Decent offense, killer defense, smash mouth football. This is going to be an absolute war in the trenches. And to me, whoever can control the lines in this game is the team that's going to win this game. Who can establish the ground game? Who can get pressure on the other team's quarterback? That is where this game is going to be won. Zach, yeah, what do you think of this art, this matchup? I think it's going to be a oh my two God. or three point game, and I think it's going to be a tremendous football game. So, just based on how the year's gone between these three, this is like the one I'm looking forward to the most this 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 coming weekend, mind you. Um, they've all been one possession games, at least you know three point differential, uh, or three, six to three point differential each time. So always come they've come down the wire each time for for these contests and it in fact just the you know the story rivalry the hatred part of that you know it sounds so ugly but i love it i, I love the storylines for it and i also like that you're seeing for calgary at least <laughs> i'm curious they're they're getting hot right at the, at the right possible moment and they made some signings too with like bagleton coming back you know roberson oh, yeah. being put oh, in the yeah. line I, like when i saw those two i'm like <laughs> oh, oh my yeah. god <laughs> like, <laughs> they did they they did what <laughs> and the, like and having Bo levi mitchell like say to the press like we're gonna we're going for the stretch run i'm like okay we're we're really serious right now aren't we 
<laughs> they ownership in Calgary said enough is enough. We need to uh, we need to change it and keep that playoff streak running. So, <laughs> you know, they this the recent signings they made, like Bagleton being in his first game back, just stunned me really well too. Um, but you know, Saskatchewan, of course, has been. I mean, what, what can you say? It's, it's a well-developed, it's a well-developed roster. One that came really just one place short of making the great cup two years ago yeah. against the blue bombers. Um, you know, Vajardo's had to answer questions this year about some inconsistencies at times, but he's still one of the best QBs in the CFL right now for obvious reasons. And they built that roster up to be one of the best in, in the CFL and in the West in particular, only Winnipeg obviously was more prepared. I think this is going to be hard fought football and this will be the best game of the week. It'll be defensive slug fest. Like it was the last three. And it's going to come down to whoever has the ball in the last final seconds. That's it. it. Very well. Mike. That's really it. I mean, that's each one of these games has been that way. It's going to happen again. If you ask me, I don't see one, a blowout. It's going to be fun. A ton of fun to watch wherever you're at. Ken, I know you have a lot of love for the Saskatchewan rough riders. Did you want to give me your synopsis on this game? I do not. How dare you, sir? Um, oh, so you're think, showing love for the Calgary Stampeders then is what you're telling me. Oh, no. He's resisting putting another middle finger uh, up. <laughs> he almost got a, a, both of them there. No, uh, this is a very difficult one for me because I dislike both teams. Zach, you missed a huge signing, though, that they also did. They uh, Calgary signed 65-year-old Randy Shaver. No, sorry, 45-year-old long snapper Randy. No, I, uh, I, I saw that too. Chevrier, I, I, yeah. I saw that. <laughs> They're one. going okay. all out. They're going all out. Um, I was actually disappointed they didn't introduce him at the game last night. They they did the special teams introductions, and it was like, where's Randy? Well, he's what on the, the suspended list because he's got to go through protocol. He's oh, still on the practice roster. Okay. Uh, Yeah. This is by no means showing love to either team because I actually I'm not a by any means a Rough Rider fan. My uh, most disliked team, and well, I dislike the Stamps because it's Trevor's team. I will give the Stamps the advantage going into this game because at the time when they met, it, it kind of changed the trajectory of both teams. Saskatchewan came out well, Calgary did not. Calgary got rolling, and when they met. Uh, for those three games starting in week nine, uh, week nine, 10, and 12, Calgary took the two or three. What happened after that is Calgary continued to keep rolling, and Saskatchewan had a close one against Montreal, a close one against the Elks, another close one against the Elks, and those were meaningful games because it meant home field advantage or not. And when you come out and you beat the Elks 19 to 7, 29 to 24, that's concerning. And then, yeah, yeah, meaningless game against Hamilton that ends up 24 3 loss. That's not a, a good way to go into the playoffs, especially when you are already kind of seemingly not rolling the best at the time. Uh, meaningless game or not, you kind of would have hoped to expect a little more out. So you have that momentum going into the playoffs. This could be a close game. Very well could. Um, Weather is not going to be a factor for either team because they're both used to it. Um, I will give, begrudgingly, either way it would be begrudgingly, uh, an advantage to Calgary in this. I think they will, potentially being on the roll that they are, be able to go into Saskatchewan and, and do some damage. I... 
I kind of, I want to agree with you, Ken, and I can't believe I'm saying this about my team. I'm very leery about the Calgary Stampeders going into Regina. Bo Levi Mitchell in the game yesterday was horrible. The Stampeders, and he played the entire first half. The Stampeders had 58 yards of total, total offense after the first half. No points. Bo Levi Mitchell was horrible yesterday. And I know Kadeem Carey wasn't playing. Reggie Bagleton was. Uh, Kamar Jordan was. We had some of our, our, our the Stampeders had some of their top playmakers in the game. I'm very worried. Bo Levi Mitchell has had a very poor season. He's his interception, his touchdown to interceptions is like one to three. I, if Bo Levi Mitchell shows up, the Stampeders win this game. If Bo Levi Mitchell that we've seen all the, from the majority of this year shows up, the Calgary Stampeders lose this game. You're going into a very, 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 very hostile building in Mosaic. That place is going to be bananas. I would love to be there. That alone is going to make it very difficult on the Calgary Stampeders. Do I think the Calgary Stampeders are a better team than the Saskatchewan Rough Riders? Yes, I do. 100% I do. Am I confident that they're going to win that game? Absolutely not. It, Cody Fajardo can run the ball. He, that's something that's a dynamic that he has that the Calgary Stampeders don't. The play, the, the run pass option. William Powell is a very tough guy to tackle in the cold weather because he's a big boy. Duke Williams is a big-bodied receiver. Like, we're talking about Reggie Bagleton coming back. Well, the Saskatchewan Rough Riders brought in Duke Williams. Like, I don't know. These two teams are so close. I think the Calgary defense is better than Saskatchewan, and I think Saskatchewan's going to have a hell of a time scoring. I think this game might come down to special teams. And – I'll say right now, the Calgary Stampeders by far have the better special teams that over Saskatchewan. We have a punter who didn't give up a single punt single the, the entire game, the entire season. We've got the best kicker in the league, but it's playoff football. It takes one big return. It takes one big missed field goal. And, and, and the game is, it, it's just like flipped on a dime. So I don't even know how to call this. And I, I got to give the benefit of the doubt to the home team. And I can't believe I'm doing this, but I think the Saskatchewan Rough Riders are going to win this game. There's demons at Mosaic Stadium. There's ghosts at Mosaic Stadium. And I think they're going to rear their ugly head. I'm going to, sorry, I don't mean to interject. I'm actually going to lean on a stat that's I find fascinating with Calgary. They're road warriors this year. McMahon Stadium has not been uh, yes, they are. kind to them. Five and two on the road, two of the three. <laughs> that are road games they've two and one actually at mosaic i know it's going to be different but you know i find that fascinating you know i mean you're able to play away already <laughs> you're used to the crowd noise and everything so i'll take that well Zach, one which, thing. how do you see this game playing out is it the stamps or, or the riders oh man i am actually going to lean on the stamps for this one um i i just i know that I know Mitchell, I know Levi Mitchell was not, was not really great in his first half against Winnipeg. Ooh, at he, all. he wasn't good all year. <laughs> yeah. And he, no, he wasn't, it was a down year. Like, we'll be honest when, when you're mid season talking like Jake Meyer and you're seeing articles, like is Jake Meyer, wow. should he be jumping in now? When are we going to do it? And you know, they ever did, they stuck by their, you know, I had legend that is Mitchell himself. Okay. But uh, yeah, I mean, I think, 
I mean, you listed all the pieces out for me, Trevor. I think just in sheer, in just sheer organization and what the core is, I'm going to go Calgary here. And I also think that, you know, they proved, they've already proven that they can win in mosaic, you know, the question is, can yeah. they do it a fourth? Can they do it three out of four times? And I think, yes, I think that that is highly possible. It's going to be close though. It's going to be a fun game. That's what I'm expecting out of it. So we got two of you guys going to Stampeders and the Stampeder fan picking the riders who knew. Fun fact, I'm actually also, I align with the stamps. Uh, I have reasons. So <laughs> we'll, we'll just say two, we'll say the two stamps fans are split. <laughs> <laughs> so facing, waiting in the wings for these guys, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, the vaunted Winnipeg Blue Bombers, the defending great cup champ Winnipeg Blue Bombers. The essentially, I'm going to say one loss, Winnipeg Blue Bombers, they lost two meaningless games at the end of the season. One to my Calgary Stampeders, woo-woo, and, and uh, one other meaningless game. Is anybody beating these guys? No. Probably not. <laughs> well, the, only, the only way I could see it is if you somehow get Toronto going uh, crazy and run the table, and then they do the same thing they did early in the season and gave them their one legitimate loss. <laughs> but I don't see that happening. The Winnipeg Blue Bombers are, from top to bottom, in my opinion, the best team in the CFL, not even close. Highest scoring offense, least points given up, top defense. Their point differential was 173. Heading into, I believe it was the last game of the season, they had only given up like three points total in the fourth quarter all season. And those three points happened against the Calgary Stampeders in like week six. Other than that, they didn't even give up points in the fourth quarter. And there might've been another field goal in there, but just crazy how good these guys are at finishing games. I guess their only real weakness is their kicking game. It's not the strongest and in tight playoff football, that might be an Achilles heel, but to me, you got like Willie Jefferson is one of the best linemen in the game. Uh, Zach Caleros is probably the one of the best game managers in the entire league. Like he just knows how to win games. He, he makes smart plays. He doesn't turn it over. Andrew Harris. I don't know how healthy he is. If He's he play, on the sixth game right now. Like, mm. I don't know, but we saw the, their running back last night. Absolutely. Uh, just carry the load, uh, Johnny Augustine, and the guy's electric. Like he, he was given the ball like 30 times in the game last night and for like 130 yards. It was crazy how good he was. The guy's electric, so I'm not even worried about that. They're so good on both their lines. They you didn't win. even mention Adam Big Hill either. I didn't even mention Big Hill. I, I haven't even mentioned Darvin Adams, who had a down year, who was a complete game breaker. Like he only had – 400 yards you'd Kenny Lawler out of nowhere at a thousand yard receiving Nick, Nick Dembski is one yeah. of the fastest receivers in the league oh yeah Rashid Bailey kind of comes out of nowhere too you're like you're talking Darvin Adams is their number four receiver and that guy's electric and then their their possession receiver Drew Wolitarski like you need a first down you throw it to Drew like the Bombers are so good here's if, what the Bombers did though they had injuries and they filled them Oh, they went absolutely. out and guys. Like, yeah, Andrew Harris on the six-game injured list. Okay, Shaq Cooper, we'll bring you in after you get cut. We got Johnny Augustine in the air, but we're going to bring you in as insurance as well. Oh, Tyler Kerpinga, 
you're on the six game list. Hey, it's just Sergio Castillo. Come on in. Right. Like they had holes and they filled them not with guys who could just get it done. They filled it with guys who will get it done. Yeah. Like they, they did everything. They, it, I don't think it doesn't matter who comes out of the semifinal game. I don't see them taking out Winnipeg. When, if Winnipeg smells blood in the water, it's over. I'm going to disagree with you slightly there. And even though I just picked this team to lose in the Western semifinal, there's one team in the league that I think can beat the Winnipeg Blue Bombers and a lot would have to go right. And that's the Calgary Stampeders. The only reason I say that is the Calgary Stampeders beat them in the last week of the season. The Calgary Stampeders were a 50 yard missed field goal away from beating them in investors group field in week six. The Calgary Stampeders could actually be two and oh, sorry, week four or five, whatever. It was early in the season. <laughs> Get your stats Ken's, right. Ken's flipping me more fingers. I just assumed it was the middle <laughs> finger again, but the Calgary Stampeders could actually be two and oh against the Winnipeg Blue Bombers right now. For that reason, to me, they're the only team that I think that might be able to beat them. Saskatchewan got blown out by them in both games. I don't see that happening, especially in Winnipeg. I don't see any of the East teams winning them. There's one team that can beat them. I don't think they're going to get there, and that's the Calgary Stampeders. I I think that, yeah, to me, if you have Saskatchewan meet up with them, you know, it's not – it's not saying it's impossible. I mean, we talked about just how the improvements they've also added on, like how we were talking about Calgary did it as well, which I will say Calgary's improvements that they've signed and people that they've signed on make it to where I could also theorize that maybe they can give Winnipeg a really good shot um, and at least make it a game that, you know, comes down to the wire like it did in week four this year. But uh, yeah, Saskatchewan, I don't know. I, I'm not this. I'm, I'm in your guys's vein. I, I don't see it. I don't see that being a case. I think Winnipeg just is, they did so well at building out that, that defensive front and just making it that imposing to where every contest, it's just like sheer will that unit alone has made it a living hell for anyone that comes to play them or that they are inviting into that build into their building. Yeah. I mean, that to me is the winning formula. And then Zach Caleros just Caleros just being, you know, having an, having a, an excellent year himself, you know, it just adds to that formula. There's just not many chinks in their armor. You can really exploit right now. It's either you play your best game that you can all week, or they will take advantage of any mishaps that you have. Another thing we haven't even brought up is the Michael Shea factor. Michael Shea mm, is one yeah. of the best coaches in the league. And Michael Shea is not scared to draw up different types of offense he gives you different looks don't there is going to be some crazy plays in the west final because that is the way michael shea runs yet his team executes those so uh, as good as of a coach as dave dickinson is as good of a coach as craig dickinson is to me i don't think they're as good as michael shea and for that reason i think that's another big big uh swoon for the uh, blue bombers is they're going to throw weird stuff at you. Like they do weird formations and it is hard to defend. Yeah. Yeah. It's, so uh, it's going to be interesting. I, I, I think they've been so dominant all season. It's going to be difficult for, for any team to go in, in there and put them in the, in the L column. Yeah. 
Well, let's move on to the Great Cup. And I, I think we've already answered this question. Guys, Ken, I'm going to start with you. Who's playing for the Great Cup in Hamilton in a few weeks? Well, I'm going to go with uh, Winnipeg facing Hamilton. That's my pick for the Grey Cup. And uh, I got a feeling it's going to be a West winner this year. I think Winnipeg's going to take it. So you're, you're calling a repeat of the 2019 Grey Cup? Calling a repeat of the 2019 Grey Cup in week one of this season <laughs> where Winnipeg beat Hamilton 19-6. to The only game they played this year. They only faced them once. So week one and the Grey Cup is how these two teams are going to finish up. Uh, I just don't see, again, Winnipeg is the, the class of the CFL this year. And I think it's going to be tough for anyone to beat them. I don't think the East is going to be able to come out and do any damage. Zach, how do you see this shaking out? Well, just like we're talking, this is a rematch. I'm going with it. It's going to be Hamilton. They'll be uh, – in theory, they'll be hosting it, taking on, well, Blue Bombers. You're this time part two. Uh, second, it'll be the same, second verse, same as the first, I'm afraid, is how this will play out. You're going to see the Blue Bombers have basically air raid the Thai Cats. Um, it'll be, I think, somewhere where it's a defensive. It'll be basically the Blue Bombers defense is just overwhelming. And maybe even to a worse degree than it was in 2019, which is kind of surprising considering going into that one. It was like, I don't think many people saw that result coming, but. You know, I think this I think this time around Winnipeg is going to be the heavy favorite and they'll execute on being the heavy favorite. There's no underdog mentality coming into this. They're just that good. <laughs> I'm going to go out on a limb here and I'm going to say that the Winnipeg Blue Bombers are going to beat the Toronto Argonauts. I'm not going to go with the rematch. I'm going to go that Winnipeg's going to beat Toronto in the Grey Cup. My heart really, really, really wants to say it's going to be a, a a Calgary Stampeders versus Toronto Argonauts uh, great cup. And uh, Calgary could get there. They very well could. They're hot. But, you know, the, the realism in me, how are you going to go into Saskatchewan and into Winnipeg and win both those games? It's not going to happen. So, so Winnipeg over Toronto, and I don't even think that game's close. I think you see another Winnipeg uh, demolition derby in this year's great cup. Yeah. So are you saying that the Arkells at halftime is going to be more entertaining than the game? If it's, it's very well, Toronto? might be, <laughs> it very well might be. <laughs> I'm excited. I'm excited to watch, God, I hope to not. watch it. <laughs> well, Zach, we're at that time in our show. We've, we've done our previews for the year. We we're all picking Winnipeg to win the great cup. Zach, tell our listeners what you got going on over the next little while. Where can, where can our listeners find you? Yeah, so really right now what's coming up, at least for Gridiron Gallery, I'll do that one for just to give you guys a heads up. Uh, we're covering a lot of United States Football League coverage. Uh, it's, uh, the, one of the, it's one of the new uh, up-and-come, well, I guess reborn alternative football leagues that's going to be coming to the U.S. in this spring, starting in April. So we got new details coming out. I'll be talking about that moving forward. And I'll also talk uh, next week. We'll have an NFL episode with a show within the show. I do it with my buddies, Tony Stanison and Michael Grimberg. Uh, it's our bi-weekly NFL episodes called the Zach, Tony and Grimbo show. So part of Gridiron Gallery, by the way. So if you subscribe to the podcast, Gridiron Gallery podcast, that'll be all on there in the coming weeks. Um, and then check me out on YouTube as well. But yeah, social media at Grid Gallery Pod. That's where you can find me for all this stuff. 
but yeah, plenty of football conversation coming up. And, you know, if I can, if I will say, uh, I will try and I will try and, uh, see if I can talk recap, at least of the gray cup when it's over with, cause I know I'll be watching our Ar- Ar- concert excitement or not. I will, <laughs> I will gladly be watching that. <laughs> Well, Zach, we want to thank you very much for coming on our show this week. We, I know we've been trying to hook up for a while. Oh, yeah. We reached out. What better time? CFL playoffs. Let's talk some Canadian football. Zach, thank you very much for coming on our show today. No problem, guys. Anytime. And like, I, and like I'm going to say this right now, I definitely will be chatting with you if we have a prediction is wrong. I'm just going to, we're going to all have a good laugh because I mean, but if we, or we're having, or we'll be really happy because like, honestly, like Trevor's talking with the Argos. I'll be really happy if the Argos happen to get to the great cup. Cause I think that will just continue a great story. So either way, like I'm, I'm looking forward to talking with you guys outside the show, just how this goes. It's going to be a blast. I'm looking forward to this great cup playoff. I'm so, I'm just so jazzed for it. I'm, I cannot say enough. Yeah. CFL playoffs is great. We may have to uh, do some of that single game betting. They now allow in Canada to see how we oh, actually, yes. <laughs> if we're willing to put some money where our, our predictions are just in, just in case. Well, um, you could wire me 20 bucks. That'd be great. <laughs> yeah. I'll get right on that. I mean, I thought you were paying me as my sponsor on the show. I'm still waiting. Well, for I am. That's what you through. can pay me back. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, Zach, thanks again for coming on. That's our show for the week. Uh, just for the listeners out there, Unhinged Radio is taking a bit of a break until the new year. So our shows will just be on demand. They'll still come out on Mondays. Look for it on all the different platforms, Apple, Spotify, Google, Spreaker. If you if it plays a podcast, we're on it. So check us out. Don't forget to check out Zach and all of his shows. Lots of great content there. We want to thank everyone for tuning in. Talk to you again. Thanks, everyone. See you.